Our New Testament reading is from Luke 2. When the time came for their purification, that's Mary's purification after the birth of Christ, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Don't you love that they are sacrificing for the Lord? Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought uh, in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, you are now dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I could have stopped there, but I had to throw this in about Anna the prophet. I love women prophets. So there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, older than me, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were working for, who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let us pray. Oh God, we hear these words. This ancient story, it seems so odd to us, these rituals. Speak to us today with your hope, and may we have ears to hear. In Christ's name, amen. So what does it mean to you to be a holder of hope? As we enter 2018, it may be the most important question. We need to know what it means to hold hope. Of all the people in the Bible, to me, Simeon is a holder of hope. Listen again to what Luke says about him. There's a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and he, he was righteous and devout, and he looked forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. This man held hope his entire life, 
for the fulfillment of the promise, for the deliverer, for hope himself to come. The last week we talked about how God is always planting. And what he's planting is seeds of hope. And how we talked about how Jesus is the epitome of that hope, the seed planted for all the world for all time. In the fullness of time, he came for the world. And so as we gather as a family of faith on this New Year's Eve, we've been to the manger together. So now what? How do we head out into the world in this new year with the hope of Christ? Well, I think we have to look at hope a little bit more. Last week we talked about how vulnerable it is to hope, especially when you're the one who's holding that hope. The best way is by example, so I'll paint a picture. I have a young friend named David, and he has been with um, his girlfriend of nine years. They were never married, but solely committed to one another, and he and Spring is her name, David and Spring, were together in when everything else around them was falling apart. Together for nine years, and now just recently, Spring has decided he's not the one. And she moved out, but not really. She left the dog, and she left some of her stuff. And so, she's still kind of connected, and she, every time she kind of shows up, he has more hope that they'll get back together. Hope is vulnerable, especially to the one who is holding hope. Well, when we hold hope, it's like we, we paint this scenario, um, a picture of what we're hoping for, right? It's almost like a target. For David, it's that the two of them could be back together. Um, it, it could be that a disease is healed in a certain way. Healing doesn't always look like what we want it to. It could be that, that we're hoping to get the certain guy, that might have been earlier in our lives, um, to land that certain job. And by the way, God, I need it by this time because I want my vacation to work out so I can, so I can take my trip to Europe next year. So if you could do that. We kind of paint this picture of what we're hoping for and hope God's going to cooperate. Israel held hope as well. We heard it in the Old Testament reading. We got a glimpse of, of what hope they were looking for. It was reconciliation with God. They'd had a broken relationship. They were exiled again. The temple was destroyed. Their identity as a people was destroyed. They were dispersed and lost. They wanted to be restored as God's chosen people. It sounded a bit like my friend David was looking for. 
You've clothed me with the garments of salvation and the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with garland and the bride adorns herself with jewels. If we could just be together again, if we could just be reconciled. The hope was for restoration. But the truth is, I'm not sure that Israel was really wanting the same restoration that God was. I think that Israel was wanting a king that was going to beat those opponents and get them back together, restore the nation, reclaim the land, rebuild the temple, and recover Jerusalem. Hmm. It's almost like that hope that was never quite realized we're still struggling with today. As campaign funds for an American president, of all things, have to be played out so that he, from over here, is naming Jerusalem as capital, restoring the land. We have these targets that we hope for. Sometimes we miss what's going on. Well, Jesus was about a month old when the Holy Spirit, Spirit told Simeon to go into that temple. He'd probably been there every day anyway. But it was like a great-great-grandfather with years folds of years draping over him like the folds in his cloak, wisdom eking out of the, the cracks of his, of his wrinkled and weathered skin. And Simeon cradled that fresh, new baby in his arms. I wonder if he did like we do in that raspy, baritone voice became this, this sweet little cooing voice as he said to the baby Jesus, Oh, I've waited for you for so long. Tears rolling down his cheeks. How precious you are. God's salvation. Fresh new life the warm breath of those tiny little lungs in his arms. Tiny, tender, pink, knowing fingers held in his big, leathery, brown hands that also knew a lot about life. Simeon held the baby Jesus. And when he did, what was he holding? Was he holding love that defeats death? Yeah. Light that outshines the darkness? Yeah. Truth when you can't find truth anywhere? Truth? Life abundant when we are in a vacuum. Yeah. To me, all of that 
just like the swaddling cloths. All of that is wrapped up in one word, and that is hope. It was holding hope for all of us, for all time. What would it feel like to hold hope? Well, the hope of God, I don't think, is really like our hope. I mean, we've got that picture painted, that target of what we're hoping for. And the hope of God, it seems like we've got to give up that, that direct outcome that we're shooting for, right? We've got to let go of what we're hoping for, and we've got to hope in God. It's about relationship. It's about trust. Trusting him with that outcome or whatever it would be. Hope based on relationship. And I get the sense that Simeon, Simeon's hope and the hope that he held that, that day, the hope that he'd been holding in his heart all along, I get a sense that it was relationship-based hope, not outcome-based hope. Because even though he was hoping for the consolation of Israel, he could hear that Christ came for so much more. Listen again. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. When we're stuck on a target, we can't see what God's doing, but Simeon could, and it wasn't just the consolation of Israel, though it was indeed that. I'm afraid that some of the Jews that were looking for the king missed what God gave. Jesus said again and again and again, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom, this is the kingdom, this is the kingdom that I'm ruling. We paint that picture and we miss what God is doing. It's so easy. I think Simeon, the holder of hope, lived Christmas his whole life before there even was one that he could go to the manger. Well, we've been to the manger and we have held hope together. And in this messed up world where Jerusalem is still lost, how are you going to hold hope as you go into this new year? How are you going to live Christmas? A friend of mine, Deanna Hollis, I believe she knows how to hold hope. She's an Aggie. She's an accountant, or at least was. A wonderful Christian, a faithful Christian, and she is prepared for a new career. She has done all of the work to get there, and she's right on the threshold. It's like that limbo time, and it is so painful. 
But rather than get down about how, how the picture that she has is going to come true, what she's doing is listening. She's listening to the Holy Spirit. She's listening to herself. And she's listening to life as it's coming around her. And she's heard a couple of calls for this limbo time. One, she could not deny, it walked into her house and sat at her table. It was her daughter, who is a student at the University of Texas. And she said, Mom, when I'm 21, I'm going to get a gun because of the campus carry rules, we can, the law, we can, we can protect ourselves, and so I'm going to get a gun. And Deanna knew this is not what Christ is about, not about guns for even keeping violence at bay, not about violence at all. And so she has joined her voice in Mothers Against Gun Violence. She found something she couldn't help but speak about. What do you hope for, and how do you hold hope? The second call that she has experienced is to be a volunteer at Teich Elementary. It is perhaps the poorest, um, most difficult school in Dallas, in DISD. The most trouble, the most violence. She's the only white woman there and she goes and she talks to kids and teaches them tools to choose rather than violence. She teaches them how to breathe, how to be mindful. I'll read you what she says. She says, this is the motto that guides me. A wise physician said, the best medicine for humans is love. Someone asked, what if it doesn't work? And the physician answered, increase the dose. And that's what I'm here to do, she says. It is to love those kids no matter what. Because what I've found is that they would do well if they could, but most of them, most of the time, they are lacking the skills to respond in positive ways. Because that's never been modeled for them. The other day, the worst kid in the school, a kindergartner, came and was acting out and, and hitting the fellow students, the teachers, throwing chairs, and the teacher in desperation called Deanna and said, can you do something with Brandon? And so she came and she said, Brandon, we've got to breathe. And and the instruction from all the experts says, you know, if you got a kid, don't even ask them to do this deep breathing where they breathe in fresh air and they breathe out everything 
that is pent up, all the anger. Don't even ask them to do it more than five times because their attention span, they won't be able to do it. And so she and Brandon sat and she said, we need to breathe. And so they, he breathed. And he got to five and he was still breathing. And she went to six and seven and eight. At 11, she finally stopped. Simeon said, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation that you prepared for all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were those other nations that don't know God. Brandon has seen that salvation. He has someone who cares about him the first time in his life. Someone who loves him. Because that someone listened. Didn't have a picture already painted about where she needs to go. And held on to hope. How will you hold hope? How will you live Christmas? 2018.